You're listening to another episode of the Zag Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by one of our favorite fellows, Sarah Mustafa is here. We'll catch up with her. She has some exciting news, it sounds like. I don't know it, so I want to talk to her. So let's stop wasting time. Let's get to it. All right, Sarah. So you're moving. Tell us why you're moving. All right. Um, I am moving to Cincinnati, Ohio. So moving back to the Midwest. And this is happening in short order? You got a little bit of time? What's the... You know, it was supposed to be um, in May, um, but obviously, as you can imagine, um, moving these days is a little tricky, and we're trying to safely move and remain socially distanced while we do it. So I don't know. Hopefully, we can still move in May. We'll see. And this is a job change, or what's the reason for the move? Yeah. So, um, well, actually, so initially, it was my husband. He got um, got an exciting um, opportunity. So he's a he's a physician and he's got a fellowship uh, offer in Cincinnati, which is really exciting. Um, but I actually have also gotten a fellowship offer as well. So we're bo- we're both going to be fellows and we're both going to be changing jobs uh, and moving. So yeah, tell us about the fellowship. Was it something you pursued once your husband knew it's going that direction, or you were kind of looking at it anyway? What's the what's the background? But a little bit of both, um, it kind of um, was, so So it's um, a fellowship with the Harvard Government Performance Lab, um, and I've been following their work for a while because they do really, really cool work in just um, government effectiveness, um, improving outcomes for cities, um, and that's kind of the line of work that I do. And so they had an opening come up. It, it was remote, which is helpful. Um, it's also um, very specific to... Um, working on active contracting, which is helping cities um, with better ways to manage their contracts. As you can imagine, cities do a lot of their work with vendors, and it doesn't sound necessarily like a very, you know, sexy area of government innovation, but it actually is a very highly impactful one. And so I thought it would be really cool to spend, you know, a fellowship or um, some time with Harvard um, doing a deep dive into that. What's the most uh, nerve-wracking part of moving? Um, you know, the actual move, I would say. So we um, we we ha- we didn't have the best experience um, moving from the Midwest to California. So we we you know we worked with a moving company, and um, I basically spent my first month in California um, on a beanbag chair from Walmart, and that was the furniture that we had um, because things just kept getting delayed for a month. So. I mean, I think it's, you know, logistics, you know, logistics are tricky. Um, I get it. Things are late. Um, we, we were kind of hoping because this is a transition period for us. We were kind of hoping that we wouldn't just like move and start our jobs, but that we would also try to do a little bit of traveling and a little bit of a vacation before we moved. So I think that's the challenging bit is, you know, we're not only trying to move our stuff, but we're also trying to coordinate a little bit of a breather before we start our jobs. Um, And so aligning that with a moving company who can't promise you when your stuff is going to show up is a little stressful. Um, If you have recommendations for a moving company, I will gladly take it. Oh, uh, I don't personally, but the huge listenership of the Zag hopefully can can chime in and and help you out. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of timing, you mentioned, obviously, this is a challenging period in history for humans. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you been dealing with quarantine what's been your day-to-day life like yeah 
Um, so, I mean, I've been fortunate in that um, I'm a management consultant. And so basically we work a lot with our clients um, who are city governments, public agencies. A lot of my work has basically just moved from in-person meetings to remote. So um, conference calls um, instead of in-person meetings. Um, but the day-to-day hasn't really changed for me. Uh, I'm just not going uh, down to L.A., as often as I was, or at all, actually. Um, And I think actually there's been, to be honest, I mean, I think there is a silver lining to that. Um, You know, I definitely feel like I'm spending more time with my partner, um, getting in more gym workouts, um, just slowing down, which is nice. I think the challenge with the quarantine is that he is, um, he's a physician, and so he is going to the hospital every day. And um, our little, our local hospital right now is a, is a small one, but, you know, relative to LA, but it already has 45. Uh, and no, actually it was 45 in the region, but I think around 20 or so corona positive patients. And so inherently there's a risk in, in him going to work um, every day. And we did talk through a plan of like, okay, what's the routine when you come back? <laughs> like, how do we keep things um you know, clean and disinfected, but it's, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. So. Yeah. I think that's one of the the parts maybe that hasn't got as much attention is, is hospitals in smaller cities, right? We're seeing so much about New York. We talk so much about LA, um, but yeah, but places that wouldn't have the capacity for something as significant as this, what the strain uh, is, mm-hmm. is like, do you, you see or hear from your partner, any, any hopeful, Outcomes? Do you feel or see any flattening of the curve? What kind of things could you share? Yeah. Um, hmm. So, I mean, he's obviously been, you know, the, the hospital has been communicating very well with the physicians and the nurses. And so there's daily updates and things like that. Um, you know, I think, I don't think our county, Santa Barbara County, has actually issued uh, a stay at home or shelter, shelter in place um, anything yet. And so my sense here locally is that the sense of urgency isn't there um that it is in LA I think people are still you know um getting their their news obviously they're tuning into the national news they're understanding this is an issue but at a local level when you're such a small rural town I think um you know my my sense is that we haven't you know uh we aren't as um in a panic mode as I think some of the bigger cities are just because it does feel insulated and the number of cases is still relatively low, um, et cetera. So, I mean, I think there's a broader conversation about, you know, how every city is going to have a different peak, right? So, you know, obviously right now, North Car- um, New York is accelerating very fast in terms of their, their new rates of new cases. And there's a debate right now on whether, all, all cities, you know, across the U.S. are going to follow a similar trend or if, you know, big cases are going to continue to remain a very unique anomaly and smaller cities just will not see that rate of acceleration because it's just not as dense and things like that. So that is an interesting conversation. We'll, we'll continue this conversation after a short break. Thanks for listening to The Zag. We'll be right back. All right, Sarah, one of the things you mentioned you might want to chat about is struggles fostering animals, question mark. What's going on there? All right. So <laughs> um, first off, I will um, 
put in a plug and say that um, I've been a volunteer foster uh, with my local animal shelter for a while. Um, and so my husband and I have enjoyed having various animals stay with us and keep us company and just have a very warm, beautiful presence in our home. So we are all about volunteering with our local local animal shelter. Um, we foster a lot of dogs and cats. And actually now during this COVID-19, um, you know, pandemic, um, a lot of animal shelters are actually asking for people to come foster their, um, their animals just because, um, you know, with staffing levels going down and, and social distancing and all that. So we tried to foster a cat and unfortunately, or fortunately, have uh, fallen in love with her. And I think we're going to take her with us to Cincinnati. Oh, so. this is a, it's a it's a happy ending. I was expecting a crazy story. Okay, that's very much a relief. Right, right. I say I failed as a foster because it ended up turning from fostering to a <laughs> But <laughs> yeah. I knew what happened is the thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the same boat. So my my uh, dog passed away in December. He would have been 16 this month. And he lived a very good life, was very healthy, just kind of ran out of gas at the end, which is totally understandable when you're that old. Um, you know, so for a moment there, I was I was definitely sad, of course, but enjoying the empty nest lifestyle of um, not having to rush home and let him out, or you know, I could just kind of on a whim go travel somewhere for the weekend. Uh, but now, of course, we're all locked at home, and it's weird and quiet and lonely. So fostering has been on my mind. If I was considering doing it, what would you advise me to think about? Um, well, first um, of all, have you? If you haven't volunteered before, I would say you know the first thing that surprised me was that um, you know there's actually a process in place um, okay. that shelters usually have so they'll require you, require you to go through some sort of a training or orientation before you can come and just pick up one of their animals um, but assuming you are willing to go through that training um, and then be a volunteer you know I would say um, you know for us I think um, we you know it, when you foster it's a little different than when you're taking care of your own pet in the sense that your goal is to try to give the animal the care they immediately need um, to prepare them for someone else coming in and, and providing them a forever home. So as much as I hate to say it, when I have successfully fostered in the past, there was a little bit of that, you know, I'm giving this animal a temporary kind of shelter and love, but knowing that there's going to be a hard goodbye coming and just being mentally prepared for that. Um, so that's, that's worked for us. Um, and the goodbyes are always hard. Um, I don't think there's been a single time where I wasn't teary-eyed. But <laughs> knowing that, like, you know, you're, every every animal that I've, I've fostered has ended up got, um, adopted. So oh, nice. okay. there's always been a happy ending. So I think that's kind of, you know, what keeps you going is like you're not, you're not abandoning the animal. You're doing a great job being a foster at, at this moment of time when it needs it. Well, thanks for those tips. I'll keep you posted on if things can... <laughs> work out and I can have a slightly less quiet home to, to hang out in. Hey, last thing. Um, do you feel like you'd want to plug into the NLC community in Ohio? And I know there's a good chapter in Columbus and they just started one in Southwest Ohio. What's yeah. your kind of sense on the progressive scene out there? Yeah, very interesting getting involved. Um, and I, I do know the Southwest one just started, I think this year was their yeah. second court. Yeah. So I think I'm on their Facebook page seeing some Great. Yeah, I was reading, you know, about some of the fellows, super excited to meet some of them. And so, yeah, I do plan when we're more settled to, to reach out and um, 
and get more involved. And, you know, Cincinnati and Ohio, these are such interesting states politically to be a progressive. Um, very different than California, very different than Los Angeles. And so, you know, um, I'm, I'm excited about this upcoming election and excited to, to be involved in a new community. Yeah, let's get you out there. Let's get you registered to vote as soon as possible because, yeah, the more the more progressives we can ship that way, the better for sure. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Good luck with everything. Thanks for updating us. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to catch all the episodes that we've dropped in the last 10 days or so in our social distancing mini-series. You can catch up with folks in L.A., but also all over the country, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Hear what people are experiencing, going through, thinking about. And then if you're really pressed for podcast content, we got over 200-plus episodes from about 18 months on of really interesting progressives doing interesting things. Get those in Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the places you get podcasts. So until next time, 